We've been in this series called Wrestling with God. And a few weeks ago, Pastor Bill kicked off this series called Wrestling with God. And we've been talking about the different things that we wrestle with God over, right? It makes sense, right? Uh, and and it, it all began back with uh, Isaac, right? Who Abraham's uh, had, had uh, Isaac and Isaac had Jacob. And then Jacob uh, wrestled with God, as Bill preached about, and, and God changed his name to Israel, which means wrestling with God. And that's kind of where the series idea came from, uh, because the, the story of Israel is wrestling with God. Uh, and so today, as we talk about wrestling with God, I got a, t- a topic that is a very serious issue that I believe all of us either have faced, all of us are maybe currently facing, or one day will face in our lives. And that's this, wrestling with God's existence. How many of us, and let's just be honest, just, you know, just between me and you and the other couple hundred people in this room and watching online, okay? Um, be honest. How many of you have ever wrestled with doubt before? And, and it's okay to admit it, right? How many of you have ever wrestled with doubting God's existence before? Uh, I have, okay? And I'm a pastor, Okay, I've wrestled with God's existence before. Uh, there's two times that I can think of in my life where I, where I really, really struggled. Uh, one was in high school. When, when I was in high school, I was blessed to be raised by a Christian family where I grew up in a Christian home and I went to church a lot and we did all the things. But when I got into about my high school years, I really had to look myself in the mirror and come to terms with the fact of, look, is this my faith or is this my parents' faith? Is this what I really believe or is this just what my parents told me I should believe? And I really started wrestling with that. Like, do I really believe this? And if I really do believe this, why is it that I believe this? And I I went through this season where I was kind of wrestling and doubting God and not really sure if I believed it. And I I wanted proof. I wanted evidence. I was like, why do, why do I believe what I believe? Well, my dad, who's, who's a godly man was, was really awesome. And he, he ended up giving me this book that was really popular at the time. It's called More Than a Carpenter. Anybody ever, anybody ever heard this book before or read it before? It was really popular back in the day. Uh, And it's a book about just kind of apologetics, arguing here here's some evidence for why God exists. Here's some evidence for why we can believe in Jesus and why we can believe that the Bible is true. And for the first time in my life, reading through this book and doing a bunch of other studies and other things I was looking into at the same time, I realized that I truly did believe this. And, there, and it wasn't just a, a baseless faith. This was faith in reason. There was faith, there was evidence for why I believe what I believe. I saw that God, there was evidence for him in creation, that there's evidence that God existed and that he's been working throughout history. And there's evidence to believe that the Bible is trustworthy and that it's true. And it really then for the first time in my life became, this is what I truly believe. Uh, and I dedicated my life to God ever since then, trying to follow after him and, and ended up going into ministry. Well, if you fast forward about 12 years later, I, I was in ministry serving. I was a youth pastor. I'd been serving in a handful of different really large mega churches, influential. If I said some of the names, you'd probably recognize them. And through one series after the next, nothing big or tra- terribly scandalous or anything like that, I got burned by each of these churches. Uh, and different things that happened in different ways. And it really just, it hurt me personally deeply on a deep level and my family. And I was looking around, I was like, God, why is this existing in your church? God, why is this thing so broken? God, why does this keep happening to me when I'm following, trying my best just to serve you and follow after you? Uh, and there was a period of time after, after, this, after one church kind of burned me again. I, just, I was so burnt out. I was so tired. I was so angry that uh, my family and I, we, just, we, we, were, we were struggling. And I moved back home to Arizona to, to just kind of try to get our life back together. And there was a period where I wasn't working in church anymore. And there was a good year of my life where I was really wrestling because I didn't know who I was if I wasn't a pastor anymore. Uh, my identity had been so wrapped up in my job, it wasn't necessarily wrapped up in Christ. 
And, and uh, because of everything that was happening to me, I was really wrestling. I was really doubting. We tried going to different churches. And I, every time I walked in the door of a church, it just brought back really bad memories from, from all the times I'd been hurt before. And I don't know, maybe you've ever been there before. It, it, it was difficult. It was painful. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've never really told anybody this story before. And I'm just going to admit it to everybody that, that there were weeks in my life, maybe even a, a, a period of a few months where I didn't even go to church at all. I was wrestling, am, am I even a, a Christian anymore? Do I even believe this? Because I was so mad at God for what had happened to me. How could this happen? How could this be so, so messed up? And, and it was hard. It was painful. I mean, and we were struggling financially because I wasn't working. My son had just been born. He was born premature. I had a bunch of medical complications. There's a whole bunch of bad stuff going on in my life. Just the, one of the darkest times in my life. And, but through it all, through it all, I wrestled with God in my doubt. And because of that, by his grace, I came out stronger on the other side, believing in him and having faith in him. And when I finally admitted it to my wife, I was like, you know, this deep, dark secret I had that I'm struggling with my faith. She's like, duh. <laughs> like, everyone knows. It's kind of obvious, Brandon. And I'm like, okay, well, I thought this was this deep secret that I kept to myself. Um, and she was able to help me kind of work through it. And, and, and we've come out stronger on the other side, but it was one of the hardest years of my life. And maybe you can relate to that in one way or another. Maybe you have in your life somewhere, maybe you used to believe and now you're struggling with your belief. Or maybe, maybe you never believed and you're kind of seeking and you're kind of searching and you're incredibly skeptical of this person who's on stage right now. I get it. I'm a, I'm a natural skeptic too. I, I understand. Um, but maybe you're wrestling with doubt right now. And if you're wrestling with doubt in God, my hope is and my prayer is today that as we look at his word and as we study a few of the different ways and different reasons that I believe that we have doubts, that we would be stronger in our faith because of it, because we'd be able to identify where our doubts are coming from and be able to wrestle with them and they, we would get stronger because of it. Because here's, here's something that I know is true. When you're wrestling with doubt in God, you're either going to grow stronger in your faith, you're going to wrestle towards God, or you're going to run away from him and, go in, in, and end up in possibly a dark place like I was. Uh, you're either going to get stronger in your faith on the other side, or you're going to run from him. And my hope is that we would get stronger in our faith because we are dealing with these issues and not just kind of hiding them and running away from them, but we would embrace them, we would wrestle with them, and we would get the answers that we need. So, uh, here we go. This is, this is what I want to get into today is that I believe that there are three reasons that we doubt. Three reasons that we doubt. And that's what I want to go through today uh, and, and show you that this is normal and this is common in scripture as well. So three reasons we doubt. Number one is evidential. Evidential. Uh, evidential doubt is saying, I just want more information, right? I need evidence. I need proof. We wrestle with God because we need proof that he exists. If God would just show up and just show himself to me right now, well, then I'd believe, right? I'll believe it when I see it, right? You ever been in that camp before? Or maybe, maybe you're wrestling with that right now, right? If I could just have enough evidence, if I could have enough proof, if you could just show me that this is undeniably true, where's the evidence? Show me your work. Like then I'll believe, but I need more information, I, I want to see more evidence that I, I can and should believe this. And if you're in that camp, uh, the good news for you is that this is, you can see this in scripture as well. A great example of this is the disciple Thomas. You've ever heard of Thomas, Thomas before? He's famously known as what? Doubting Thomas. If you've ever heard his story, right? He doubted, he's famous for doubting. Uh, and, and famously, uh, what happens when Jesus died and then he rose again from the dead, he showed up to a bunch of the disciples and Thomas missed the party. He wasn't there. He showed himself to everybody else and Thomas missed it. And Thomas then, when everyone goes, we've seen Jesus, he's back. He goes, no way. 
Somebody doesn't just get crucified like I just saw and get back up. Like, that's just not how it works, guys. And Thomas was naturally skeptical, which I think we can, a lot of us can relate to. But then this is what happens in John chapter 20, verse 24 through 29. It says, now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So Thomas is saying, prove it. Show me. I'll believe it when I see it, right? I'll never believe. But then here's what happens. God shows up eight days later. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hands and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord, and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Pretty powerful story, right? Thomas says, I'll believe it when I see it. And Jesus says, oh yeah, okay, here I am. Boom, there he is. And he knows exactly what Thomas had said, right? Look, here's my hands, here's my side, like check it out. You can believe in this. But then he looks at Thomas and he says, look, you believe because you saw me, but guess what? More blessed are those people who have not seen me and that they still have faith. He's talking to, to people like you and me who have faith and believe today. We are more blessed because we didn't see Jesus right here in the flesh, but we still have faith and we still believe in God. And Jesus is saying, look, you're going to be blessed because you have that kind of faith. It's pretty powerful, pretty cool. But Thomas was an evidential doubter, right? Show me the evidence. Show me the proof. I want to see it. And here's the good news today, if, if you're in that camp, is that the more we do research, the more that science learns, the more that we grow, the more that we know, and the more that we study the universe around us, the more we realize that there is no real good naturalistic explanation for how everything came to be. You can trace it back a certain level of way, but at some point you get to a point where you go, there is no naturalistic scientific explanation for how matter just exploded or came out of absolutely nothing. Like that just doesn't happen, right? Or you study the universe around you and you see how orderly and how beautiful and how it all works together and how infinitely complex it all is, yet so delicate where things were off just a little bit that it would all just fall apart. And you go, there is no way that that just absolutely happened by complete random chance and, and circumstance, right? Like just, that's just not how it happens out of chaos. Things don't just get, grow out of chaos. And, and we look at that and, the, and we can see that what the Bible says in Psalm 19.1 is absolutely true. It says the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiworks. We see evidence of God's existence all around us in, in all creation. And again, there's no real good naturalistic explanation of how this all came to be. And so here's what we have to understand is you're talking about faith as a, if you're a Christian, you got to understand this, is that Christian faith is not blind faith. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. That's absolutely true. But it doesn't mean that our faith is absolutely blind. It doesn't mean that our faith is unfounded. It doesn't believe that we don't have reason to believe what we believe in, right? Why do we believe what we believe? Well, we believe in God because he's, he's showed himself to us through his creation, through the way that he's worked throughout history, through the way that he's shown up and worked in our lives, through the ways that he's changed us, the ways that he's showed up and answered our prayers. We've seen his evidence of his existence all around us if you're looking for it. But we got to understand that faith everything in life at some point takes faith, right? Um, like think about it this way. As you were on your way to church this morning, you got yourself probably in a, in a very heavy metal object and sped down the, the road about 60 some miles an hour. And if you were late, maybe faster, right? 
<laughs> and you're flying down the road and what happens? You go to an intersection, the light's green and you just keep flying. You don't even look twice or think twice about it, right? But if, then, then what is that? That's faith. Because we have faith that that other light's going to be red and the other car that's going 60 some miles an hour the other direction isn't going to come through that intersection and hit us, right? And why do we have that kind of faith? Well, because we've been told that we can believe it, but also because we've done it and we've seen it over and over and over and over again. So now we drive and we probably don't even think twice about it. But maybe the first time you got in a car, you probably white knuckled it through that intersection kind of like I did when I first started driving, right? Because it takes faith to know, we, we, we don't absolutely know that that other car is going to stop. We, we believe they will, right? We've got faith. The same thing happens when you drive over a bridge, right? You didn't get out of the car and go inspect the support structure and make sure that this bridge is sturdy and going to hold. You just drive right over it and you just have faith that it's going to hold, Right? It's the same thing uh, when uh, you, you walk, walk to somebody and you're hanging out and you're talking and, and you say, hey, see you later. It takes faith that you're actually going to see them later, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen between now and, and later, but you believe you're going to see them again. That takes faith. Everything in life takes a little bit of faith. It takes a lot of faith if you're Pastor Bill to believe that the Vikings are going to have a good season this year. <laughs> that, <laughs> that might be a little big. Um, maybe not reasonable faith, but it's still faith. We've all got faith, right? We've all got faith. And all of us are rooting for football teams. We've got faith right now. That our team's undefeated. Um, but here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. At some level, everything takes faith. At some level, you get to a point where you can stack as much evidence as you want, and you get to a place where there's, there's, you've got you've to just have some faith in something, right? There's very few things in your life that you have absolute undeniable proof about. Even science. Like we love science. Science is good and all that stuff. It's done a lot of great things. It's proven a lot of things. It's proven to be true. Okay, but, there's, but have you ever done all the research? Did you do all the experiments? Did you understand everything that your science teachers taught you in school? Did you even pay attention? <laughs> right? Like you, you can look at science and science is good. And there's a lot of things that it's proven to be true, right? But it does, can, is it absolutely always right all the time? Or do they sometimes get things wrong? Sometimes they get things wrong, right? Uh, and, and, and even, it's, even when you're talking about scientific, uh, you know, studies and things like that, you, you still have to have some sort of faith. At some point, you've got to believe. You believe, and it's not necessarily unfounded. You believe because there's evidence. You believe because there's reason. You believe because the person has proven trustworthy in the past, whatever else. But at some point, you, gotta t you have to have faith in everything. Very few things can, are undeniably true. So, Here's where I'm getting at today. If you're in the evidential doubt camp, if you're, if you're an evidential doubter, uh, my hope and my prayer is that this would spur you on to go get some more information. There's tons of it available. That's the good news for you today. There's, there's tons of great work that's been done. There's a lot of great books that have been written. Uh, we got a library over here at the church. You can go check out some books. They've got a bunch of good stuff over there. If you need more evidence, if you need to do some study, if you need to look into whether or not God exists because you need more evidence to, to have a well-founded, reasonable faith in God, you can get it today. You can go look for it today and I hope you do. But here's uh, my theory that I want to just kind of propose to all of you today, okay? I think most people claim that they doubt in God because of the evidence, but for a lot of people, that's just a front. That's just a mask. That's just saying, I, I don't believe in God because uh, I need more evidence, but was it really what it's really doing, what they really, if you get down to it, their doubt is a lot more personal than that. It's, it's not just about information. A lot of it is very personal. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. If you look at the next, the next couple reasons that we, I believe we doubt. And so number one is evidential. We need some more information. But the second one is circumstantial doubt. Circumstantial doubt. This has everything to do with our life circumstances, the way that we, where we find ourselves in the world. And circumstantial doubt, where evidential doubt is about information, circumstantial doubt is about emotion. It comes from our heart, right? Uh, God, how could you let this happen to me? 
Do you even exist if this exists in the world? We, we encounter difficulty, we encounter evil, we encounter uh, corruption and difficult circumstances in our lives. And we start to doubt God and run away from God because how could a good and loving God allow this to happen? Ever heard that argument? How could a loving God allow kids to get cancer? How could a loving God allow this to happen in the world or 9-11 or whatever else, right? How could God allow this to happen if he really does exist? And a lot of people doubt God because of the circumstances they find themselves in. It's an emotional reaction. It's personal. We're hurting, we're upset, we're angry at God even. And so we start to doubt his existence because of what has happened to us or to somebody we love and know. Uh, this, this was kind of, kind of my story, wasn't it? When I was running from the church and angry at the church, I was mad at God a little bit because of what I, where I found myself. And I was a little bit upset and I was a little bit broken because let's be honest, uh, American evangelical church, we've failed a lot of people in a lot of ways by letting a little bit of prosperity gospel, even if we don't mean to get into our theology where we start telling people that if you just follow God, everything's going to be great. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be wealthy. You're going to be happy. And guess what happens? I've seen a lot of young believers who go off into life thinking that everything's going to be great because they're following God with all they ha- their hearts. And before they know it, life hits them upside the head and they instantly, their, their faith is shattered because they don't know what to do when things get hard, when things get difficult, when they go through trials. But God never promised that life was going to be easy. He never promised that everything was going to be good. In fact, it's quite the opposite. He said, you will have troubles in this world. You will be persecuted in my name. You will have trials. In this world, you will have trouble. It's going to be difficult. And so if we go around thinking that that we are just going to, everything's going to be great because we follow God, we realize really quickly that we've got a false God. We've got an idol that we've set up for ourselves. That's not who God really is. And and, And we can get disillusioned in our faith pretty quick. And so if maybe you're like me and you've realized this, this before, that when you, when you deal with people who say they're atheists, a lot of the times, not all atheists, but many atheists, they are, they're mad at a God that they say doesn't exist. Have you ever noticed that? And it's kind of ironic and kind of funny, but it's also kind of true, right? Like I do a lot of stuff online and I get atheists sometimes just posting comments all the time, attacking me or saying really mean things. And I'm like, why are you so mad? right? Like, why are you so angry? Like, can I, you just need a hug? Like, what is going on? Like, you just come at me attacking me. And it's like, if you think about it, this would be like me being angry at mermaids, right? If I just went around just getting mad at anybody who talked about mermaids, like, ah, mermaids. And like, I was stewing over it all the time and angry about it, right? It doesn't make sense. I don't believe it exists, right? Um, but there's a lot of atheists out there. They're angry at a God they say that doesn't exist. They're mad about it. And, and here's why I think this is. I think not all atheism, but a lot of them, I think a lot of them are mad at God and they're angry and they say they don't believe in God because of their circumstances. Something happened to them. Something difficult happened in their life. Something tragic came up and they rejected God because they were mad at God. They said, God, I'm mad at you. How could you even exist if this happened to me? And to spite him, they reject him and they go and they do their own thing because they're angry, they're hurt. And for those people, man, I just want to say, I'm sorry for whatever it is that happened to you, you know, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. You can't just reject God because something was difficult or something tragic or terrible happened in your life. I ran into a guy I never will forget a long time ago. He's a young man who told me that he, he used to be a Christian. And I said, well, why aren't you a Christian anymore? And he said, well, when I was 13 years old, my dad died in a plane crash. And I went, oh my goodness, like, Wow, that's, that's awful. And he said, yeah, how could a God who loves me allow that to happen to me? 
And, and, and I felt for him. Like that's personal, right? And maybe you can relate to something like that. Maybe something tragic has happened in your life and you can feel that right now, right? Like how could this happen? And you're wrestling with it. And it's normal to have those feelings and even get mad at God a little bit and frustrated with him. But just because something bad happened doesn't mean God doesn't exist. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you either. It doesn't mean that, that I don't, we don't know why all these things happen all the time, but God still loves you. And if you run away from God, you're going the exact opposite direction where you need to go. Where if you run to God in those difficult times, he'll be your strength. He'll be your hope. He'll be your peace. He will give you provision. He will help you through those difficult times. But it's really easy to doubt when things don't go the way we expect them. If you look in the Bible, John the Baptist is a really good example of this. We've all probably heard his story before, right? If there's anybody who was like a dedicated follower of God, it was John the Baptist. I mean, he was all in, right? If you know his story, like he wore camel hair and he ate locusts and he lived out in the wilderness and he was just like, that dude was committed, right? Um, he, was, he was committed and he prepared the way for Jesus. He baptized Jesus. I mean, this is John the Baptist. This guy was a, a man of faith. Yet, if you look at his story, what happens later in life, King Herod arrests John the Baptist and throws him in prison because John had spoken boldly about some things that Herod was doing wrong and called him out on it. Herod didn't like that very much, threw him in prison. And then one day, to, to, at the request of his daughter who pleased him, uh, he uh, ended up cutting off John the Baptist's head and serving it to his daughter on a silver platter who then she could give it to her mom who uh, was the one who really uh, influenced the request. And so John the Baptist's life didn't quite go the way that he thought it was going to go, right? Uh, he died a martyr's death, uh, still a man of faith. But if you look at his life in prison, even John the Baptist had doubts when his things weren't going the way that he thought they were going to go. So look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. It says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent words by his disciples and he said to him, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? So he's doubting. Is, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the one? I mean, this is the guy who, who he said, this is the, like John the Baptist himself said, this is the one. I've been preparing the way for him. And, and he goes, are you really the one or should we look for another? But then it, look what Jesus says in verse four. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And get this, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus says, look, John's doubting and he says, what does he tell them to do? He said, go remind him of who I am and what I've done. Remind him of who I am. Remember who Jesus is, right? And I, I think there's some of us today, we're struggling and we're going through difficult times and we just need to be remembered. Who is Jesus? What has he done for us? What is, he, he died and he rose again. And if that's true, then everything else that he said is absolutely true and we can trust in him. I mean, what has he done for you in your life? Don't forget about who he is. Remember Jesus. Remember what he's done for you. You see, if we get this idea that the ultimate reward for our faith is going to be heaven here right now on earth, then we better uh, think twice about that. Because yeah, maybe, maybe life's going to be good for you. Maybe it's not. But our promise is not heaven right now. Our promise is heaven for all eternity, right? It's in the life to come. And yeah, God may bless us and he may give us good things and he gives us hope and he gives us peace today and now and things may be good now. And I, I believe my life is better because I'm walking with Jesus. But the ultimate promise, whether things go well now or I get persecuted or things tragic happen to me in this life, is not the promise that we're going to be blessed right now, but it's the promise of the blessing in the life to come. That's what we hold on to. That's where our hope is. Right? 
Look at this. James 1.6 says, The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So if you're doubting, you're just getting tossed back and forth and, and you know, life's just kind of happening and it's difficult and it's turbulent, and it's trouble. But then look, if you skip to verse 12, it says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised those who love him. If you stand the test, if you stand through the trials, if you persevere in your faith, when life gets difficult, because it will be difficult, then God says you're going to be blessed and you're going to receive that crown of life in eternity. That's what we are holding on to, right? So don't let your circumstances cause you to doubt God's existence. Saying that you don't believe in God because your life is, is difficult is a very illogical argument because it has nothing to do with his existence. It has everything to do with your feelings, right? So maybe you're in the circumstantial doubt camp, um, but often that's not the whole story. So uh, like I said earlier, uh, there's, there's the, the, the reasons we doubt. There's evidential, which is often a mask for things. It's, it's I want information. There's some people who are just in that camp. And then there's circumstantial. We get emotional. It's personal to us. Something bad happened to us. And so we doubt. And, but the third reason we doubt, I think, goes even deeper than that. And I think it's at the heart of most issues for most of our doubt. But most of us are too, uh, we, we, won't, we won't do the heart, the real soul searching or we're not brave enough to actually admit it. And the third reason that I believe that we doubt is prideful. It's prideful. And, and prideful doubt is, is just rebellion. It's rebellion against God. Prideful doubt is saying, look, I want to be Lord of my life. I want to be in charge. I want to live my truth and live life on my terms, my way, the way I want to do things. I want what I want more than I want God. And so that's the, that's the natural nature of our human heart, isn't it? We want what we want and we're going to pursue what we want and, and we reject God. We rebel against God because his desires and what he commands us to do are contrary to our natural sinful desires. Uh, this is the story going all the way back to, to Adam and Eve, the very first sin in the Garden of Eden, right? Uh, what does Satan tell them when, when he's tempting them to eat the fruit, the forbidden fruit that they were commanded not to eat? Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. It says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, the fruit, right? The forbidden fruit, your eyes will be opened and what? You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the very first temptation was, if you eat this, you can be God. You can be like God. And what do Adam and Eve do? They say, that sounds great. We want to be like God. They eat the fruit. And what happens? Sin enters in the world. The human heart is now corrupted. We are born sinful, right? We are born rebellious against God. And guess what? Ever since human nature, our hearts have, have drawn us towards our own desires and we've taken God off the throne and we put ourselves there instead. Or we put something else we want to worship there instead. Our desires, what we want to do, not what God wants us to do. And ever since humans have rebelled against God, we've rejected him and we've made gods of ourselves or gods for ourselves and worship these idols rather than God. That's the, the story of human nature. That's the way we are. Um, unless God saves us, right? Until we're saved. Uh, look at this. That's what Romans 1 tells us in Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and, un and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So we suppress the truth. We don't want to believe the truth. Why? Because we're unrighteous. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived 
ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who's blessed forever. Amen. That's the story of humanity, right? We rejected God in our rebellion, in our unrighteousness, in the sinful wickedness of our hearts. We want what we not want, not what God wants. And so we pursue ourselves. We pursue our desires. We create gods for ourselves that allow us to live the way that we want to live, not the way that he commands us to live. It's prideful. It's rebellion. And that's where I think most doubt and really ultimately comes from. We don't want to follow him. We want to follow us. Because if we have to believe that God exists, then we've got to do what he says. If we believe that God exists, then we've got to believe that he's going to judge us for our rebellion and for the ways that we don't live up to his standards. And that's a scary place to be. So we run away from him and make our own gods. Uh, you'll often hear this phrase from somebody who's rejecting God. I'll never believe in a God who whatever, fill in the blank, right? I can never believe in a God who allows this bad thing to happen. I can never believe in a God who doesn't support my views on this area of life. I can never believe in a God who, you right, fill in the blank. You've probably heard these arguments before. And if you think about it, this kind of argument is so illogical, right? Because just because God doesn't believe the same way that you believe, he doesn't think the same way you think, doesn't mean that he's not true. Because if God really is infinite and all-powerful and all-knowing and almighty, right? If he is really a big and a great and a glorious God, he should think different than you, Right? He should be perfect and you're not, right? If you say that God should always think exactly the same way I think and do things exactly the way that I think I sh he should do it, guess what? You've got a really, really small God because he's you. You're worshiping yourself and your thoughts, right? Because if God really is big and great and powerful, he should be different than you. His ways are higher than our ways, right? And because guess what? We're not that great, you get things wrong every single day, don't you? I do, right? I make mistakes all the time. So to try to hold that God should live by our standards the way that we think he should operate, we're silly. We're fooling ourselves. We're putting ourselves in the place of God, replacing him with ourselves. It's a, it's a dangerous place to be. So here's what I, I really want to just get at here with this is the question is not what do you want to believe? The real question we need to be asking is not what we want to believe, but what is true, Right? What is true? If God really does exist, then guess what? He sets the standards. He sets the terms we don't, all right? And thank goodness he's good. <laughs> but he sets the terms. We don't get to decide who God is. He, he is who he is. And we have to accept that and come to, to accept who he is and believe in him. Um, another way to think about this, uh, I, I hear this all the time. Uh, people, you know, they say, I, I can't believe in a God who, 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 who teaches this. I, can't, I, I reject Christianity because I believe in this thing, you know, whatever the hot button issue is. And they reject God because they, they want to believe in this. They want to teach that this is true instead. And if you claim that you have this universal moral standard, but you reject the fact that God exists, okay? Think about this. If you have some universal moral truth that everybody has to live by, but God does not exist, that doesn't make any sense. It's, it's logically contradictory, right? Because in order to have some sort of universal moral standard, you've got to have some sort of universal moral rule and some universal moral law that has to come from the universal law giver, right? 
there's got to be somebody who, who declares what's right and what's wrong and who judges what's right or what's wrong. Otherwise, guess what? If God doesn't exist, morality doesn't exist. You can do whatever you want. We're just particles flying through space. If you really get down to it, right? So to say that God has to be exactly this way or that way because you believe that that is true, um, and, but to, and to claim that I reject God because he doesn't, uh, you're, you're just basically saying I should be God. You can call it love, you can call it justice, you can call it reason, you can call it science. You can, you can label your, your views whatever you want, but you've replaced God with whatever, whatever that is. And you're claiming that your virtue is the highest of all. So here's my, my point today and what I just want to get at is if you're wrestling with God, if you're wrestling with doubt, if you're struggling with whether or not God exists, the good news is that it's normal. It happens all throughout scripture. It happens throughout just about everybody's life. At some point or another, you wrestle with God. You wrestle through these things. And my hope is that as you wrestle with God in your doubts, that rather than running away from it or hiding it or suppressing it, that you'll embrace it. You'll wrestle with it and you'll admit it to other people. You'll talk about it and you'll get help and that you'll be stronger in your faith because of going through that season. Uh, I was reading a book uh, by Tim Keller. It's called The Reason for God. Good book on apologetics if you want a, a book to read about some of this stuff. And he said this, I love this quote. He said, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. It's good and sometimes healthy for Christians to wrestle with doubt and to get the answers to the difficult questions in life because it makes us stronger. Just like getting sick helps your body build up antibodies to be able to reject further sickness down the road, right? And so as believers, I hope that we would wrestle through doubts the right way, that we go stronger because of it and that our faith would be strengthened because we're not a church that runs away from it or sticks our head in the sand, but we're a church that embraces the hard questions and deals with things head on. So um, as I wrap this up, there's just four quick things I want to do. If you're wrestling with doubt today, four quick things, okay? And this is not the Bible. This is just Brandon chapter seven, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so this is my opinion. Take it or leave it. But here's just a few tips. If you're wrestling with doubt today that I, that I hope and I would challenge you to, to, to take on. Number one, identify that doubt, right? Identify it. What is it? Is it evidential? Is it circumstantial? Is it prideful? What, what is the real true source? Not just the surface level stuff, but what really, where is that doubt really coming from in your life? Uh, number two, admit it. Like open up to somebody about it. You don't have to wrestle with it in a vacuum. Talk to a pastor, talk to a good friend, talk to somebody like I like talk to my spouse, right? Like talk to somebody uh, and let them know I'm wrestling with this. It's, it's not something that we should stigmatize and say it's, it's, you're a bad person because you doubt. Like this is something that happens, right? Work through it, get help through it. Don't do it on your own. Number three, pray about it. Uh, maybe like Pastor Bill preached last week about Mark chapter nine, the father who cried out to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief, right? Maybe that's your prayer today. God, I believe, I wanna believe, but help my unbelief. Help me where I'm struggling. I'm doubting right now, God. Please show me uh, evidence of who you are. God, help me to believe in you. Give me assurance in my faith. Help me to, to grow and, and to be strong in you. And I believe that God's gonna answer and honor those prayers if you pray those genuinely to him. Uh, and number four, what John the Baptist did and what Jesus told him to do. Look at Jesus. Don't forget the cross. If Jesus is who he said he was, if he really did die, if he really did rise again, then everything he said is true. And we can absolutely believe everything that he told us. And look at what he's done in your life. Look what he's done in the lives of the people in this church. I mean, the stories here are incredible. Don't forget who Jesus is. Keep your eyes focused on the cross. Amen. Amen.